Ah, oh, kia ora, g'day. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome to Feels Podcast, audio excerpts focusing on feelings and mental health for Australians, Kiwis and whomstever else is listening. Self-help is getting pretty preachy, so here's a mental health podcast without the wank. It's a no, it's a no, it's a no from me, 2022. Thus far, the branding of 2022 is not what we're after. Do you guys remember vaguely when 2016 seemed like a crap year to everyone? I can't even remember why. How foolish were we? We had no idea what the future would hold. We perhaps are coming out of a pandemic, quite a big, large collective trauma, and perhaps ego, conflict, that's now an important thing to experience and <laughs> facilitate. So hello, Valdemore Poopton. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Interesting, over the last few weeks for me with the war with Ukraine, Russia, uh, to consider my own white privilege. It's been smacking me up every which way. The backside, the front ways, I can't escape it because war happens all the time. War happens everywhere, you know. There are multiple wars ongoing in lots of different countries. Why are we so affected by this one? Is it because they're white? Is it because it affects us? Probably. And that's just been really confronting for me. So I'm really sitting with my guilt. I'm trying to honor my guilt and I'm trying to process the shame. And I guess I'm just sharing that because even to have this conversation that you're about to listen to with my dear friend, Caitlin Taylor, who is a yogi, a mental health practitioner, and a huge Tigers fan, FYI. So she's that good a person that I've seen through that particular character for. <laughs> just jokes, doll. Go Tigers. But yeah, just even having this conversation together, I couldn't help but feel like, who the fuck are we to have this chat? But the chat between us is very much from the perspective of sitting in the space of privilege. <laughs> like there's not any part of either of us that aren't aware that we're safe in Australia. We've been afforded the education that, that we've had as mental health workers, but also just even to be able to access spiritual resources and things like that. The core difference between Caitlin and I, I think, as people is I can be very dualistic. So lightness and darkness, you know, even in this war, I'm looking at the lightness to soften the edges of the darkness. So there's always this sort of push and pull. So what Caitlin's going to talk about here is non-duality. So the idea that it's all one beautiful integration and culmination of existence and experience. There is no me and them. And that's what I love about this girl is she really leans into that space. We do wrap up with some actual tips. So if you're feeling anxious and uncertain, like you want to hold compassion for people that are suffering right now, because you're a beautiful, empathic human being, you still can. But there is a way to do that where you can also balance out a wee bit and self-nurture and self-parent and make sure that you're getting some sleep in the process. I hope you enjoy this episode of Feels Podcast. Kakite. So tell me honestly from your emotional self and your tender 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 metaphorical loins how are you feeling about ukraine and world war three 
not good. <laughs> it's not good. It's so hard to put in words what it feels like to watch this unfolding. I, I was thinking about it today and, you know, I've thought for so long, oh, we're never going to see war unfold like in the same way as World War One and World War Two. Like I probably said that sentence out loud thinking I was really smart, you know, so many times like, oh, war is going to look so different if we have it again. You know, when people are floating around World War Three with China, they've been the country that people are more floating that around with, you know, before this, it's not going to look like that. And now we're literally sitting watching the tanks roll in, mm. like bombing civilians, blah, mm. blah, blah. Um, I don't know. I feel many, many emotions like horror, sadness, fear, that uncertainty. Fear. Yeah. Yeah. That's the big one, I think, isn't it, too? The horror and the sadness is like, oh, of course. Yeah, standard. But war happens all the time, so we should be feeling horror and sadness all the time and grief, but we don't. We ignore shit. Uh But the fear because suddenly we're involved or we're affected. Uh Um, But far out, man. Tell me this. On that, we so Caitlin and I did this piss-take counseling session i'll put it in the show notes <laughs> it's real real good anyway it's a piss take it's a bit offensive to some people i'm just gonna um content warning that but it's me as a character counseling caitlin a comedy character and um you were talking in that about non-duality and i was just curious because you're generally you lean towards non-duality does that intersects with this at all or is this a situation where it's like now nah, this is just straight up black and white shit that's happening in front of us yeah I mean it it always intersects with everything I suppose because I'm still me as a spiritual being for want of a better word I don't mm-hmm. want to drag it too far that way but you know I'm still you eat hummus and you do yoga <laughs> and I go to chanting meditation you know hurry on but <laughs> I also, this is probably a little bit off topic, but Mm. I was thinking today how, but I've always been someone that wants to lean in to what's happening in the world, you know, like, okay, show me all the things, let me read all the news, let me be informed and a part of it rather than um, protecting myself um, by tapping out. Do you know what I mean? So I, I think it's more... I'm more thinking about humanity as a big, a bigger whole, you know, and I think we owe it to each other to care and to watch mm. and to stay informed and to tap into it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like the concept of duality, it's like and non-duality, like, okay, um, you can apply it, but then you have to still deal with the reality of the dualism that's playing out. The know. dualism being like simplify that concept for people. Because I think some people don't even know what duality and non-duality is. What's your experience of it, I guess? I guess duality is the experience of me and that or like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, other self and other. Yeah, yeah. I am separate um, ah. and that is, that is that. Yeah, yeah. Um, non-duality, I guess, is 
the fact that there is there's no separation like we're made up of the same stuff matter is made up of so where's that where's that separation point you know like we are amongst everything else yeah like the universe is the ecosystem and the earth's in the universe and we're in the earth and it's all one thing 100 percent. yeah like it's an illusion the the illusion of separatism but the illusion of separatism is very strong you know we live in a very like dualistic society and even in like i mean yoga there's still like a dualist idea you know Mm. we're trying to transcend our mind and there's the dualism philosophy still exists but Mm -hmm. for me i've always tried to lean in more to that non-dualistic experience of being alive you know like just a part of everything i am everything um Uh yeah this is like straight up dualism because it's like one country one crazy fuck waging war against other people there's so much like we are separate we are different you know (laughs) but but to to flip it on its head I haven't even processed the fear around it yet or the anxiety this is one of those spaces as a as you know like as a mental health worker or a healer of any kind that's challenging because your clients kind of all hit you up with like this. I've got anxiety about the war. It's like, good. That's your (laughs) autonomic nervous system reacting to a very real threat. It's not like a nervous meeting situation. It's not like going on a date. It's like, no, no, there's a real threat. It's doing its job. I haven't processed that yet. I have some ideas I'm going to pop in this episode, but I think that the anxiety, the grief, the pain, like you said, exposing yourself to some of it personally I don't think that needs to be all day long but staying on top of it Mm. is powerful because of what you just said that we're part of a collective but if you drill down to Valdemar Poopton uh this is someone who probably his version of inner peace is USSR or you know what what he's after is his version of inner peace so um you can just almost trip yourself out a little bit because <laughs> like, a part of me goes, yeah, he's he's got not got a lot of empathy. That's very obvious, if any. But um, he's probably genuinely got this conviction he's had since he was little. This is going to be good, you know. Of course, of course, because we all have our own understanding of what, like you're calling it in a piece of what that looks like, right, and mm. where that is all plays out from conditioning and environment and culture and lots of different influencing but some bobs yeah and that's what you're talking that's that's duality that's yeah of course mm, mm, yeah mm -hmm. of course um and the fact that that experience is different for you that it's different from me you know Mm -hmm. that creates a separatism because consciousness as we know it like our inner critic our inner voice our perception is perceiving a very dualistic experience, right? It's more, I don't know what it is that senses the non-dual, but it's not really the thinking mind. That's why it's very hard to talk Mm. about almost because you're trying to attribute a man-made language that comes from Mm -hmm. cognition to something that transcends that. Totally. My assumption is it would be the psyche and the soul that gets non-duality and um there's windows into that right I think grief is a really strong window into that where you can see someone on the other side of the world in pain and relate to their pain because we're the same it's the same we all feel pain pretty similarly and then it's like yeah 
I think our egos, our human egos probably really fosters duality. Uh, That would be my high-level guess. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And we're funny beings like that. Now, on that exact note, yeah. Something I was thinking about with this that I want your five to ten cents on, if possible. We war within ourselves, and I wonder if that's ego versus soul. I don't know. But we war within ourselves all the time. You've had jobs because of it. I've got a job because of it. Like, you know, we support people that are at war with themselves, or certainly as a counsellor you do this in a conflict all the time. Mm. And then we war, not even metaphorically, but like we war like around uh, mandates, political stances where they're just, you know, differing opinions and differing worldviews. And then we war physically, which is what's happening right now in Ukraine. And I wonder if the kind of archetype of war is human. It's weird too because war seems to create change. Uh, World War I <laughs> created prosthetics <laughs> and, <laughs> and blood transfusions. Now, it also was the beginning of German democracy, which is also important. But, you know, like uh, war seems to create change as well. There's sort of mm. big brash changes off the back of them do you think that there's any hope for us avoiding war our species avoiding war or is it just always going to be there I would have thought yes if you had have asked me that question a while ago but yeah it's interesting what you're saying that it, like it's like a natural state that we have happening within us that and I think conflict I think conflict is unavoidable, like you're saying, because mm. it is, is a part of us. I think that it does create change if you're talking on an inner level as well. You know, mm. you need some some sense of tension or some sense of um, an opposition to what's oppressing to, like, transfigure that, right, you know, on an inner and outer level. Um, but I just think the mechanisms of how that conflict plays out could evolve and change. But what we're seeing is not that. What yeah. we're seeing is the absolute opposite. Uh-huh. Like but the co- conflict's I, inevitable, but escalating yeah. to war isn't. That doesn't but have to be the case. Like warfare, literally, mm-hmm. like battling and killing other human beings. I, I don't know, I, but I just want to say yes because I feel like we do have the potential. But it, it comes down to power too right like that's a big component of it and I just didn't I just didn't think that that would play out at this level on this level you know but it's like you're saying it's playing out in so many other countries as well yeah yeah it's like we always think we're immune western society one of the most interesting things coming out of this I suppose is that suddenly I mean there's quite a real threat to the west I suppose that can play out and suddenly we're you know, very engaged, very fearful, very compassionate um, and very empathetic. And it's still that now we can be like, oh, this could happen to us. But whereas we're watching what plays out in Syria, in Afghanistan, you know, so many different um, places on the African continent, Palestine, we just accept that I saw something good on the internet today saying it's like a part of their culture. Like war is a cultural thing because it's a different culture to us. Like war is not a white person culture, but, you know, these brown people in these, you know, savage brown lands, it's such an old school racist idea. Yeah, that it is. They're inherently going to fight each other. Like, But even we do, you get, like we're 
maybe progressive whatever like young white entitled fucks both you and I but even I have to admit that I've been like yeah but Syria always does that like it's something that they do to be cool and it's not and I remember that um like obviously that's not it's very painful and horrible but I remember that um I read a book years ago when I was quite young about the holocaust and Uh, there's all these genocides that happen to all these, oh, it's just so painful and terrible, mm. all the genocides that have happened in our history, like, but that the Holocaust really affected the Western psyche because it was white people. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. But and even that shows the privilege and power that we still hold as Caucasians in this 100%. world. And even then I remember watching like a documentary on like white Australia policy and the evolution of this racist country we call our home <laughs> mm, mm. Um, at, right at the start of like after World War II when they were showing like Jewish people getting on boats, like, you know, refugees, people were a bit like, mm, mm. they realised it wasn't working that well, the PR campaign, so they put like blonde, you know, like they got the like hottest uh, white you know, version, they're like mm. Aryan version and put them on this like video for fucking Australian immigration and people were like, oh, yeah, bring them here. You know? <laughs> so hang on, we've got white privilege and then pretty privilege. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's too many layers of bullshit for me to wade through there. And when we had the wave of Afghan refugees, you know, 20 odd years ago and sooner than then between 20 and 10 years ago and it was like oh but they could be a member of the Taliban so we should be we should lock them up for eight years because just in case you know are we going to yeah. think the same now like oh the Ukrainian person they could be a Russian you know better vet them for 10 years in offshore detention it's just not going to happen so what what's the difference there's no difference you know there's no difference completely. I think a lot of people don't realize that you've worked with refugees as well so um, not that you should have to. It's a pretty simple concept, but the SCOMO concept, right? Like, oh, I've got daughters, so actually, yeah, I can imagine how that feels like, you know, <laughs> to be sexually assaulted. Oh, now I can empathize <laughs> with a woman because Jenny, <laughs> Jenny, oh, just think about Jenny and my daughters. You know, it's that's it's a similar concept where we're like. Yeah. Oh, well, I met an Afghan. Oh, my God. And yeah. his story. And it was so painful. And, like, those poor people. But, like, we should be able to get to that point without mm -hmm. having to literally know, you know. A human See, person. this is the duality thing you're talking about again. Now, then there's still First Nations young kids that have died in prison and where if just fucking neglected and died. Still not a single case. No one held accountable for those deaths uh -huh. no, no one in this country I'm pretty sure unless I've missed uh -huh. a major um <laughs> significant moment even that like how I just mentioned that I was like you've worked you've worked with refugees you've seen it up close like that shouldn't matter you shouldn't have to have yeah. been exposed to care you should just care because a human being is suffering it's so fucking <laughs> fascinating that we have so much information about how to show compassion and feel it and acknowledge that we're all the same. Like the internet's taught us, we all feel the same shit. For sure. I think we're, we're just working with a few other things as well, like the manipulation of the media. Not, I don't mean that oh. in an anti-vax, do your research, mm -hmm. watch fucking Sky News way. I mean it in a like, <laughs> sorry, that was a little side note, but I mean it in a, a way that the politicians, Rupert Murdoch, they're curating mm -hmm. narratives 
about these people right like and we're getting fed that and yeah you know that they're, they're actually impacting like the curation of how how we think about people like I'm just talking more from my experience with refugees you know what I mean which still blow I still cannot understand how well politicians manipulated that over the course of oh very well empowered you know they got Um, themselves elected off these rants and they had to completely like falsify and like use use them buddies in the media to create this image of Mm. a a refugee an asylum seeker refugee being bad you know something bad for our country yeah that's the point i'm trying to make is that people don't even know that they're like big opinions on big things big things are being crafted by uh-huh. <laughs> super manipulative um papers and stuff and people don't yeah. understand that like th- who owns certain publications and how certain like news channels and publications are linked and you know it's yeah. insane this is the thing coming back to the war stuff um you mentioned that for you there's a bit of like staying on top of the media and their fit i i heard a bit of like a um moral responsibility to stay on it which I love but now how do we do this how do we stay across it so we're feeling it we're a part of it but we don't uh become completely depressed anxious and stay up all night like what do you do to balance yeah, it yeah I wish I I wish I had a clear answer for it I think it's I, I don't know I think because I have such a conviction in like staying engaged in current affairs as a a positive part of Mm. my um role as a human or it actually makes me feel a part of the global community you know so it doesn't fuck me up with my mental health so much because there's actually a component of my mental health that it's actually working for if that makes sense like a lot of you feel connected my, yeah, a lot of my depression comes out of my anxiety even comes out of feeling not a part of the world around me, you know, feeling different, feeling mm. disconnected, feeling disengaged. So even though I'm consuming something that's really painful and um, anxiety inducing and the bigger picture, I can sit with that bigger picture anxiety because it's real. Like what you said at the very start, it's real. And for me, my number one goal in life is to have direct experience of the world, not the experience of what my brain is like telling me or bullshitting me. I want to directly experience the world. So I want to see the images of what's mm. happening. I, I, I want to be a part of it. So it, it does create anxiety and fear and stress, of course, but it's, it's real. And for me to not engage with that like that doesn't actually work for my mental health because like of course I want to disassociate and you know (laughs) like escape sometimes and you know I do the same things everyone else does I watch some Netflix or I read some fiction that's not in-depth fiction you know I can tap out I can drink a Negroni when I come home and (laughs) soften the edges of tapping into reality but I get more out of leaning into it you want to be a part of it all so if you're able to sit in meditation or sit in yoga I think that's really helped me to be able to coexist with whatever's going on Mm. but people in that world would sometimes advocate for like don't watch the news it's bad for you or don't read about this stuff but I I think there's a little bit of spiritual bypassing with that too Mm. you know like if you heal yourself the rest of the world will heal too and like personal accountability for your shit is really important I don't know the whole practice of spirituality means you you are a part of something bigger than you you know can I get your 15 cents on something I tell clients 
so with the with the ABC scrolling and the the social media scrolling on big news pieces like pandemics and wars, which are going to cause fear, which is then going to cause anxiety, which means you're not going to sleep. Then there's substance use or there's being not present with your children or then there's other issues that stem off that. Yeah. And a lot of people that I actually will support, I suppose, they're advocates as well. So they have to be across Mm. shit in the media. Yeah. I'll say just cap it. Like if you do your 10, 15 minutes, you're going to know if suddenly everyone's conscripted to war. Yeah, Someone will tell sure. you. What are your I, thoughts on I, that? On I think capital? I might do that subconsciously. Like I think mm. that I know what my limit is. Like I am not doom scrolling for hours. That's not how I stay engaged. Yeah. So, I mean, there has been times over the past few years. I remember doing it when we had the fires, you know, just mm. before the pandemic and we thought mm. that was the worst. And then at the start of the pandemic, I probably doom scrolled a bit much. It's not the way that I engage now. I, the the problem is our phones really um, lend to that. Yeah. Like that. But you said something kind of cool before about softening the edges, right, or something like that, or softening, that there's things that you can do. Okay, I've doom scrolled, and this is a quick tip I give people as well. Do your doom scroll for 15 minutes, then promise me you'll do five minutes on positivenews.uk or um, Good News Network and just seeing the magic that still happens in the world because, like you said, the media wants us to believe there is no magic in the world. It's all trash because they they make money off us being scared and watching. But, like, what are the things in terms of softening the edges for you? Like, how do you soften? Is it the Negronian book? Is it (laughs) When you were talking just then, it made me reflect on what we were talking about earlier with non-duality and stuff, and I think... I think for me, I don't need to find the positive news stories to counteract the bad ones Mm -hmm. because of my belief that the world is made up of all of that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I think I always hold that with me. I don't need to go look at beautiful sunsets or write a gratitude journal because I, I don't see the world in black and white. It's it's a mixed bag, you know what I mean? So even when I'm reading this fucking horrible stuff, I know how crazy and good in a way it is to be alive. Like I always hold that with me, I suppose. So I, I'm never one that needs to counter the negative with the positive because that then you're in positive or negative. Like, you know, it just is. It's fucking bonkers, but it it, it is like, and it's juicy and crazy. So I think... I do still feel bad. I do still sit in the badness, right? And, you know, I need a way out of that. But I think things that tap into my bigger picture feeling or, you know, that thing we were talking about before, whatever, you can sit in that space that's not the thinking critical mind. Yeah. Um, I've been getting back in. Like I lost a bit of my spiritual practice. I've been getting back into, like I was telling you, I was going to chanting lately. So good. And And how is it going? It's so good because you literally shut your eyes, you're in a group and you like chant these mantras that are like beautiful and it feels kind of like belting out Tina Arena in your car on the way home from work, like that same feeling of just like singing with abandon, right, like making words with abandon but there's something about the like repetition of the mantras in the, mm. like in Sanskrit that I don't know, it like gets into your heart and you can feel the vibration. So again, it's just something that like very hippie, I know, but but that's 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 what it's about. I eh, is um do you know the somatic stuff is just so powerful? Like yesterday I was in the car and I was really there's the fire station, the fire station across across the road going off. Um, but I was really angry 
and I just screamed in the car, but it was this different because I'm, you know, counselor sort of always tells me to do it, scream. Um, but I just felt like my fifth chakra, like the throat was really not expressing. So I did, but then this other stuff started happening. I started growling. Like, I don't know if you guys can notice, like if you can notice my voice is not the same as usual today. Like it's a little bit hoarse. Started growling like a tiger. And I was like making these like almost dog snapping noises for like 15 minutes. I felt so crazy, animalistically good. The amount of times in a day we neglect our feeling body and something like chanting or screaming in your car or um, humming or groaning or talking to yourself sounds like wanky hippie shit or something that your psychotherapist told you to do. But it's like it legit just yeah. releases this energy that's just yeah. building, building, building. It's so beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a very powerful thing to do. You know, I have those practices like I said earlier too, I also, yeah, come home and make a delicious Negroni and dive into like a fantasy novel, you know, and I'm in a different universe and it's nicer there, you know, like, so I, I, of course I lean into escapism like anyone else. And sometimes that's a bit of a battle for me too, like escapism versus sit with your shit, escapism versus sit with your shit, sit with the shit of the world. Yeah, I think I just don't get to, I know the world is fucked, but I'm never absolutist about that, you know, and I don't need yeah. to think think about rainbows and butterflies to know that it contains multitudes mm-hmm. and opposites as well, you know. Yeah, it's cool that you've said that and also uh, sit with the shit and escapism and that balance. I really believe that being an adult human is developing a really strong um inner nurturer uh an inner mother an inner father whatever whatever your inner parenting archetypes are and what my counselor said to me a while ago was that I basically said to her I was like I just realized that this work has never done you know like as someone and you're the same right there's someone who's sort of spiritual has studied mental health for a long time and works in it for me the work is never done and it's interesting to tell my clients the work is never done. And she, my counselor, is like a wise old tree. She's like the wise old tree from Pocahontas. She mm. goes, yeah, because the work of a mother's never done. And that's what you're doing is you're, you're mm. self-parenting. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, oh, my Lord. Like, mm-hmm. And for you and me who've had to kind of, you know, be our own parents a little longer than we should have, even as young people. But there was a weird, like, shoulder drop in that. And a weird, like, relief. There is no end point. There's no end point. There's no point where you're like, okay, I'm good. Like, it's just we're not going to reach it. We will be do important healing through doing this stuff for sure and we'll give ourselves important tools and important ways to self-soothe and nurture and show up in the world. Like, But there's no end point where we're enough or where we're perfect, you know? So it's like... I think it's a relief to give up on reaching that point and just doing the work for its intrinsic value rather than like meeting some goal. Cause again, there's that like capitalist idea that even seeps into like self-help or self-improvement, right? Better, better, be better, be better. You got to reach that 
goal, reach that point. So on that note uh, of intrinsic values, please listen to my favorite feels episode, which is Caitlin Taylor talks about yoga wankers and it's all about your work as a yogi and then <laughs> just being like, how does one do this in, in this society? <laughs> but it's bloody funny. Um, thank you for having a yarn. I just wanted to keep it light, breezy and brief. But what we did is we went nitty gritty and deep and that was delicious. Yes, we went down, down, down to deep town. Who are you apologizing to? <laughs> the people that wanted a five minutes. Five minutes on the wall because we got a bit deeper than the wall. I'm not going to call the episode five minutes on the wall, as, but I, I need to say that, that is enticing. It is so weird to wake up every day and contend with, you know, a 16 hours of being awake and existing. It's weird. It's hard. And as you said, no one asked for your consent, did they? It's a non-consensual experience. I did not ask to be born. Give me on one selfish. Got my satisfaction. Burned on every bridge with relationships attached with. I can't even try to vouch my innocence. But a lot of this has been a product of my bitterness. I'm sorry for trapping you in my fields. Of a story of dark colors and thrills. I'm sorry.